When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6.30 Chad. Hurricanes lead the Bruins 1-0. It's in the first intermission. The Avalanche hammer the Coyotes 7-1. Colorado leads that series three games to one. Nathan McKinnon doing it all in that game. Bit of a fight near the end that he was easily in control of. Kale McCarr scored a great goal, so the Avalanche looking good. Blues and Canucks face off in an hour and a half. The Lightning beat the Blue Jackets 2-1 to go up 3-1 in their series. Blue Jays lead the Orioles 4-1 in the bottom of the sixth. And the basketball playoffs NBA starting for the Raptors this afternoon, and they hammer Brooklyn 134-110. The big story today, the Canadian Football League season will not be contested after much talking, much hope. They couldn't do it. They couldn't get the money they wanted, and that's been identified as the number one reason. And to weigh in on that is the producer of Inside Sports and our Eskimos analysts here on 630 Chet. It is Dave Campbell. Dave, thanks for checking in, man. How are you doing? Reed, uh, good to talk with you, buddy. As always, uh, relative speaking, I'm good. Uh, on this specific subject, uh, not so much. It's a, it's a very hard day and a very sad day and a lot of emotions about not having a CFL season this year. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty tough. I mean, obviously we're we're in a tough situation, and, and we know that there are things bigger than sports. But it, but in sports terms, this is this is a massive story in this country. So, Dave, look. So the there's a lot of there are a lot of numbers flying around here, and there have been for a few weeks, a few months, really. But thirty million dollars from the government, they wanted it interest free. You know, Chris Preston said an hour ago that they weren't going to get an interest-free loan from the federal government and that they thought accepting that could create even more problems. Mm -hmm. Is that like, is it that simple? That's reason number one or what else could have been going on behind the scenes here? Give me, give me your take on this. Well, in simple terms, that's why we're not having a season And that. And this is from the league's point of view. Um, They didn't get the loan they asked for. So that in their mind killed the season. So, it's a $30 million loan. And, you know, and I think the question is, what would that loan go towards specifically? Um, would it go towards obviously operating the bubble in, in Winnipeg? Would it go towards paying the players, that sort of thing with, uh, with a wage subsidy? I think that's the, the question is what exactly was the, was the league looking for now compared to back in, well, I guess you call it late April, uh, when they asked for the loan of a hundred upwards of 150 million dollars, which I find interesting, 
with the 30 million because if you remember Reed, the initial ask or the immediate ask was for 30 million now to help mm-hmm. offset uh, losses because of COVID-19 and then they went back to 30 million uh, for a shortened season starting you know late next month in, in Winnipeg. So uh, a CFLPA source I spoke with yesterday, I said, so the 30 million is that pretty much the death knell of the season? And he said, uh, you know, <laughs> that that was pretty much uh, a dead issue since, you know, from $150 million, million ago. So that shows you the government's, I think, stance has changed. They said, we will help you, but we have certain parameters, certain things that you need to do, and we have certain programs that we think you might fit. But to just give you the money you're asking for interest-free with no accountability and no checks and balances, I think was a non-starter for the government. So, you know, I, I think I look at this with a lot of puzzlement and a lot of bewilderment and some anger. And I'm wondering where in this process did the league lose the translation here? It was pretty clear what the government was asking for. And it was the CFL was not willing to to do what the government was was asking for. Now, if you're going to ask for money from a lender, you better do what the lender says, because I don't think you have the right to dictate to them how you think it should be done. And I think that's what the CFL is guilty of through this process. And it bit him in the butt today. Dave, there has been speculation that perhaps some CFL franchises and the finger perhaps unfairly has been pointed at the Lions, Argos and Alouettes speculation that those organizations just said to to heck with it. We don't, we don't want to play. We'll we'll just save money and not pay anybody. Chris Preston, when I asked, wouldn't comment on that. I I did see a quote from Rick Lalasher, who is the president of the Lions and obviously used to be with our franchise saying David Braley wanted to play. There's, there's no truth to that. What do you make of that accusation against some teams? And I guess tied into that, is is there some way this still could have worked even without the loan from the government? Because you see some speculation that maybe they just could have paid for it and sucked it up somehow. Well, when I look at, uh, you look at the teams in the league, you know, all the community-owned teams wanted to play. That included the... uh, the E football team here in Edmonton that included the Riders in, in Regina, that included the Bombers in Winnipeg. They wanted to play. They're community-owned. I believe most of the privately-owned teams were willing to play. I think the one team that really had no interest in playing right now was the Toronto Argos, who are owned by MLSC. Uh, Montreal Alouettes uh, sounded like they were pretty much on board and it did sound like the Lions were on board because David Braley made the comment that if we don't play, there'll be no league. And everyone, I don't think, agrees with that. Um, but it, it, it did sound like the comments from Rick Lawlisher going through through the uh, process here, Reed, that he was all in for playing. Now, he was concerned about the fact that the two sides, and this is going back to June, two sides haven't spoke yet, the two sides being the CFL and the CFL Players Association. He was very adamant that they need to sit down and play. There was always concern about, you know, we're going to lose a boatload of money here. And I I think that was the debate within the league, too, is, okay, we're going to lose this much. But if we play, we're going to make this much. 
that will offset the loss, but it's not going to be a huge loss. It's not going to be a huge gain. Um, but I'll tell you, I, I look at the Argos, and I, I, I'm not pointing fingers here. All, all I'm saying is I think when, they, when, when you look at the Argos, who are they owned by? Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, $4 billion company. So there's money in this league. You know, the Ottawa uh, Red Blacks are owned by uh, Roger Greenberg, who has one and a half million. There's, there's money. Bob Young has money. Uh, you go around the league. There, there's, there's money, a lot of money in this league, and they are losing a lot of money. But I think MLSE, for some reason, just sat back and said, we're out of this. We just don't want to do this right now. And there's speculation that maybe they're they're the benefactors of the league going forward, which makes this kind of puzzling to me because uh, they did have a deal in place pretty much. There was a framework there, Reed. They had agreements on salary structures and guaranteed money uh, for the players to entice more players to come to the bubble. They had opt-out uh, clauses as well. And if you didn't want to play like we've seen in the, the NHL, NBA, everywhere else, um, they had agreements on health and safety. Health Canada was pretty encouraged by it. And to have to have it go this close, and just because you didn't get the loan of $30 million, uh, and to wipe it all away, that's frustrating. So, yeah, I, I do believe the Argos didn't want to play. I think there was humming and hawing from maybe a couple other teams, but I think the Argos, I, I think they were the ones that really put the brakes on this. And, you know, money talks. They're the richest franchise in the league. And, um, you know, money talks. It's like when David Braley, you know, bailed out the league years ago and, and, and he had the most money in the league at one time, right? And he's still a very wealthy man. Um, and he controlled a lot of the decisions in the league. And I'm starting to uh, buy into the notion that MLSC is running a lot of the, the show and calling a lot of shots here. Dave, stick around because I, I want to get into with you about uh, a potential new business model for the league. Uh, Ambrosi said they need to run the league differently and have a more cooperative ecosystem, which was an interesting way to put it. Dave Campbell's on Inside Sports. Hey, how about this? This is pretty good. We have one more code word for our 630 Chet Chet Kids Jersey a Day giveaway. It's sponsored by Mr. Mike Steakhouse Casual. They're the official restaurant sponsor of Inside Sports. It's the last day for you to have a chance to win your kid an Oilers jersey from United Cycle. So you go to the contest page on 630Ched.com. Look for the Jersey a Day giveaway and the code word you have to put in. Well, it's actually a code name. He plays for the Oilers, Zach Cassian. The 630 Ched Kids Jersey a Day giveaway presented by Mr. Mike Steakhouse Casual. The jersey, courtesy of United Cycle, Zach Cassian, is the code word. The CFL has canceled the 2020 season. Dave Campbell on the other end of the line here on Inside Sports. Okay, Dave, so look, there, a lot of people are throwing around, well, the league has to change the business model, and they need to have a more cooperative ecosystem. I, I, I mean, I don't even know where to start here. For, let, me, let me ask you this first, Dave. Mm-hmm. If the business model needed to be changed, why did it take a pandemic and a lost season to do it? Shouldn't have it had been discussed? Shouldn't there have been, been discussion about changing it anyway? It's a good question, isn't it? You know, and, and we heard rumblings about that, you know, that maybe the model should be looked at. We should do different things. And, and yeah, it, you know, and one, one comment I heard 
was someone within the league, and I believe you told TSN's Matthew Shinetti that it was the pandemic. If it wasn't for the pandemic, we would be playing this year. And I went, okay, that is part accurate and part a cop out. And I think the latter is 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 the one is the one we got to focus on. We know what the pandemic has done, Reed. We're not ignorant to that. Right. Um, but but at the same time, it's it's almost like the blinders are still on this league. Okay, so about two thirds of revenue are created in the CFL through gate revenue. Okay, that's a lot. Okay, so I think if there's a way that they can kind of even that up a little bit more, where I think you know, like, you know, gate revenue is going to be a very vital cog to this league for forever. I do believe that. But is there other ways that they can find revenue sources? Okay. I mean, right now you look at the player pie, it's only about what 30% of revenues go to players. So that's, that's not a lot. Right. Um, So is there a way to get more revenue from other sources? And it is not through global or CFL 2.0 through the global initiative. And and Randy Ambrosi brought it up again today. And I, I'm not, I'm not trying to diss it. And, and and disrespect it i you know diego diego viamontes is a great story for, from the from the ee football team i i love diego great story good and a good football player too um you know we have a lot of those stories uh from cfl 2.0 but the priority has to be within your own uh your own borders right now here's the thing with the cfl and you know this reed you have three teams that are community owned you have six that are not so that creates kind of a an imbalance already and where is the most popular area of the country when it comes to the cfl i think that's pretty easy right where is it yeah yeah of it's course the prairies. The prairies. yeah so and there's a good base in southern ontario in hamilton uh i've been there many times and they are rabid cfl fans there for sure ottawa i think because they were successful to begin with. I mean, their 14-year, it was great. But when they started to win from 15 to, to 18, won a great cup in there, uh, th- uh, three great cup appearances, uh, there was a lot of interest and a lot of uh, a lot of uh, support. Montreal had a great year last year because they had a really good football team, and, and there's a bit of a resurgence there. But I think when we talk about there has to be more of a level playing field. And, and when Randy Ambrosi says everyone has to be on the same page, there's got to be more acceptance of, okay, so what works in Edmonton, what works in Regina, what works in Winnipeg and Calgary doesn't necessarily work or work at all in Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal. We have to try different things, and we have to include everybody in that. So if it's weird in Edmonton, we just have it as for what it is, is that we are all in it together to make sure nine teams are going to be healthy. And I think that's the problem, is you have too many governors and owners within the league that are unwilling to change, that are stuck in the 90s, maybe even further than that. And, well, it shouldn't be done that way. It shouldn't be done that way. Look, this league needs to survive. And when you have an aging fan base, you need to find the younger audience. You need to draw them in. And you have to be willing to try anything. And everyone else has to get on board with it. Owners in, you know, uh, you know the, the Eskimos should be excited about anything. And not or, um, there, there's a loony into the, uh, into the name jar. Um, the E football team should be excited about everything that goes on in the league. And I'm not saying that they're not, but you know what I mean. 
Um, the, the, the BC Lions should be excited about everything. The, the Argos should be excited about everything. There's not enough cohesion within the Board of Governors. There's not enough cohesion within the ownership group. And the Players Association have tried to suggest things to maybe make it more the league more cool. And they, they keep getting turned down and saying, well, we don't do that. Or who would do that now? Well, you know, because people, too many people within the league from the ownership and the governor level are stuck in the past. So that's where I think when it comes to getting everyone on the same page is accepting it. We have nine teams, but it's not all level, you know, just because of ownership uh, scenarios and because of fan interest. Um, so we got to find a way to level the playing field. And it's got to be a, a, a consensus there. Dave Campbell joining us on Inside Sports. All right, uh, Dave, I wish we had more time. Somebody texted in earlier, what happens when the league comes back? How many players that were in the league will not be in the league next year? You, you know, could, could all the teams come back? Could there be fewer than nine teams? Like, like I, I think it's yeah. back next year. I, I think it's back with nine teams, but what, what do you think? You know, to talk about next year is is kind of uncomfortable. It's exciting, but it's uncomfortable, right? Because we just don't know what the, what the climate will be like with, uh, with COVID-19. Um, I hope it comes back. And I think if it does come back, the, there will be nine teams. Um, what will it look like roster wise? Uh, Solomon Alamimian, who is the CFLPA president. And he said he expects an uptick in retirements right now because yeah. veterans just have to find jobs. So they're just going to say, look, I'm just going to retire and we'll see what happens next year. And I'm sure tomorrow, and I believe Ryan King's going to come on from the EE football team and he's on the executive board of the CFLPA. He can speak further to this. So, um, you know, what is, what is it going to look like in the environment? I mean, I, I saw a comment today on Twitter uh, of a CFL executive, uh, unnamed CFL executive, saying if we can't get fifteen thousand to twenty twenty thousand in the in the in the stands, then we're not going to play next year. It's going to be hard to play. You don't know if you can do that right now. So uh, I think there's got to be, you know, I'll, everything thrown on the table about how you can play, and that has to be the focus. It's not. There's too much of this. Oh well, if this doesn't happen, we, we just can't play. I just wish everything would be fine and this virus would go away. That's what I'm hearing too much of, right? It's, we have to be solutions based and the NHL found a way, NBA found a way and it's working. And, you know, and I'll say this on a smaller scale, the, the Canadian league basketball league, the Canadian premier league, uh, they found a way. It was a great tournament in St. Catharines with the Edmonton Stingers winning. Uh, by all accounts, it's a great tournament so far. It's off to a good start in Charlotte with the with Canadian Premier League soccer with FC Edmonton included in that they found a way and that's what bothers me about this so much Reed is is there was a missed opportunity here from an exposure standpoint yes it was six games yes it was eight teams out of nine making the playoffs yes it was 11 weeks with about I don't know uh you know nine to ten weeks of of regular season and playoffs but it's it's exposure that this league could have used and Scott Milanovic made a great point uh, last hour, I'm concerned. You know, I'm concerned too that I don't want this team forgotten about in this city. I don't want this league forgotten about in this city and this country. So they got to be more solutions based than than sitting on their hands and and going in the corner and and crying and crying and whining uh, about what isn't happening and find a way to make it happen. They better get on the field in 2021 somehow. Dave. Thank you so much for checking in, man. I really appreciate it. 
I talk a lot, but you know, I'd, I'd like to do that, as you know. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much, Reed. It's always great to be on your show, buddy. That's okay. That is Dave. Well, it's it's Dave's show as well. He's the producer of Inside Sports, and of uh, of course the analyst on our Eskimos on our EE broadcast here on six thirty. Chad, uh, tough day for all fans of the CFL. We'll take a break. We'll talk a little bit about hockey. Edmonton's return to play when we get back. All right, here's what's going on in the National Hockey League. It is 2-0 Carolina leading Boston. Just under six minutes left in the second period. Williams and Martinuk have the goals. Avalanche all over the Coyotes. 7-1 the final. Avs go up 3-1 in the best of seven. The Lightning beat the Blue Jackets 2-1. They lead that series 3-1. Blues and Canucks coming up in about an hour at Rogers Place. Raptors win their NBA playoff opener 134-110 over Brooklyn. And the Toronto Blue Jays in action tonight, leading Baltimore 5-1. That game is in the bottom of the seventh. The Canadian Football League has canceled its 2020 season. No Grey Cup will be awarded for the first time since 1919. Now, of course, uh, you know, World War I ending. And uh, there was a pandemic going on then as well, but it was actually primarily a rules dispute between a couple of the different associations that played rugby football in Canada at that time that led to uh, the game being canceled. A little bit of a side note there. Return to play for Hockey Edmonton. And I'm pleased to welcome to Inside Sports to discuss. He's the operations manager for Hockey Edmonton. It is Chris March. Chris, you're on with Reed. Thanks for coming on the show. How are you doing? Not too bad, Reed. Thanks, uh, thanks for having us. Uh, really happy to to come on and talk about our return to play plan. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate you taking the time as well. I, I know this is uh, pretty significant. Let's, I mean, before we kind of look ahead here and let everybody know where we're at, let's let's go back to kind of that that week in March where everything kind of really hit us uh I, I know i did a couple minor hockey interviews at that time uh, shay ganim at our station uh coaches and uh, like it, it really kind of got cut short at a, at a tough time for a lot of kids and coaches because weren't it wasn't it kind of playoff and championship uh, time yeah so uh it was uh, right in the middle of our playoffs uh we had only named a few uh, championships at the time, or champ- city champions at the time, in our Bantam categories, or U15 now, because um, uh, they had to advance to provincial championships. But it it uh, it all happened within a span of about four or five days when the uh, NBA and NHL shut, and then uh, uh, it was all hands on deck there just prior to March 13th, and in um, as the Hockey Edmonton board and executive deciding what to do with our our. Um, very uh, uh, well-attended Timbits Jamboree, which needed to be cancelled due to the numbers of people through the facility. And then uh, ultimately when Hockey Canada came down with the uh, ruling to cancel the season, uh, it was, um, um, you know, stopping play and and then uh, uh, basically shutting down for the year, leaving the majority of uh, divisions uh, of play in the middle of a playoff run. Yeah, okay. Well, that was the... Well, I mean, I don't know if there was good timing, but to me it was kind of especially uh, heartbreaking that it was at, at such a fun time of year for, for all the coaches and players. All right, so, uh, Chris, I'm going to be honest with you, I have not read every word of the documents. Uh, I, I, I've tried to gather as much as I could. Uh, obviously, the, the, the CFL was, was a big story today, but this, this is good news that, that Hockey Edmonton's coming back. The way I understand it is that there are different guidelines for elite hockey and community hockey. Can you kind of clarify that? And if you can, can can you sum up the key differences between the two? 
Yeah, so basically our community hockey program and, and the elite hockey program uh, are returning to play. Both are prepared by uh, uh, Hockey Edmonton staff in, in conjunction actually with uh, um, Hockey Calgary. Uh, uh, one of my colleagues, Jamie Henry, down there and I worked on the document as well as Drew Dixon at Hockey Alberta. And uh, basically... Uh, all the documentation it really puts the player safety first and within the rules of Hockey Alberta and Alberta Health Services. So the key differences in the document, if we're looking at community and elite, is really um, uh, through the tryout process and then seasons because the community program is, is uh, built around the Edmonton Federation Hockey League. Um, it only basically facilitates gameplay for associations in the greater Edmonton area or the capital, Alberta capital region. Whereas our AA and AAA, as we refer to the elite uh, level of hockey, they belong to more provincially wide leagues. Like at the AAA level, it's a province-wide league, and at the AA level, it's a provincial regional league. So um, where we get into the big differences uh, moving in return to play is with our community level programming um it's easier to cohort within the the associations or whatnot um in getting back to gameplay whereas it'll be more difficult at the elite levels they'll be able to do it um just within their uh uh draw zone or uh recruitment areas um so that's the real big difference it's it's really structured around the leagues but they're very similar in uh the protection of the athlete, the safety requirements, um, and they all follow uh, Hockey Alberta and Alberta Health Services guidelines. So what's the initial plan for those AA and AAA leagues? Will there be any sort of competition in, in the fall, or what's going to be happening? Yeah, so we're not sure at this point. Uh, we're still waiting for an updated documents from Hockey Alberta and uh, Alberta Health Services which are due out in the next seven to 10 days, as was communicated to us last week. Um, as far as the AAA and AA clubs, they'll be able to get on the ice and begin their tryouts, whether they're going to use physically distanced uh, facilitation or group them into cohorts of up to 50 players. Um, that would be on a, a club-by-club basis and how they start to determine their evaluations. Um, but they will be back on the ice. Um, under the... Um, initial evaluation skill development phase and the uh, development phase, there is uh, play within cohorts that can be structured as three-on-three, four-on-four, uh, kind of as an inter-squad game. Um, uh, when asked, I liken it to uh, what we might see uh, every year in, in February with the uh, Stollery uh, Family Day Classic in a four-on-four format. Um, but just getting the kids back to a on the ice first and foremost in a safe environment and then getting them back to competitive play. So the short answer is we don't know when the double and triple A seasons may start, um, but we're expecting direction from Hockey Alberta uh, in the next uh, little while. Okay. Yeah, Chris March joining us on Inside Sports from Hockey Edmonton. He's the uh, manager of operations, uh, the return to play protocol, the return to uh, hockey protocol at hockeyedmonton.ca. He's given you some of the, the, the key points for elite and community hockey. Chris, how long have you been a part of Hockey Edmonton? And you mentioned sort of having to work with uh, with colleagues in, in Calgary as well. Does, does that happen a lot or was this all um, – sort of improvising as we've been thrown into this situation 
Yeah, so I'm uh, coming up on my fifth year now in, in hockey Edmonton in the role I'm in. And, uh, yeah, actually, I belong to a number of uh, Hockey Alberta committees. I sit on the minor leagues committee for the Edmonton uh, Federation Hockey League. So we're in constant contact with... Uh, um, uh, other leagues around the province, and specifically, uh, we do work closely with Calgary from time to time, and, and are always keeping in touch because we have similar type organizations, similar size, and similar challenges. So, um, it only makes sense for us to work together and, and try and provide a consistent product for uh, all of our players. And uh, and as I said, uh, um, you know, the more input you can get on a document like this, the more ideas you can take. And, uh, and and make it the, the best document possible in order to put the processes uh, in place for our players. All right. So, and I guess obviously, in terms of how the season is going to progress, you're you're waiting on what the the health professionals are, are going to tell you here, right? I mean, I, best case scenario in January, it's very <laughs> really best case scenario in January. It's it's. Uh, but but I guess my point is, I assume you're completely ready to adapt if things open up a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. So right now we're we're still projecting. Uh, we have a number of scenarios to project the, our back to regular season start date of November first, December first, or January first. But we've already built in um, a season plan that allows us uh, through the end of September into October into cohorting the kids uh, in the community programs into groups of forty to fifty, um, allowing them to practice together, and then again so. They would basically have a practice a week in their cohort group, and then they would have a uh, a game a week in their cohort group. And and by building these mini teams of between nine to ten players, we can create some variety. So within that cohort, um, you know, fifteen to eighteen kids. So two teams would practice together, and then uh, they would have three other teams they could play on game day. So it's creating a uh, competitive environment for them, uh, even though we won't be getting back to regular five on ho- five on five hockey right away. Okay, uh, just let parents and players uh, know, Chris, if if you want to, you know, give any info or whatever you have about. Um, I don't know if there's some key dates for uh, registration or if um, you know paying fees or anything might be structured differently this year because of uh, the pandemic. And obviously, some people are going through tough times. Any updates uh, you want to give out there? Yeah, for sure. So, so a number of our associations uh, and kudos to them are looking at uh, assisting players with uh, fees and whatnot this year. Um, a lot of the late fees for registration have been pushed back. So, if you are interested in playing, I would uh, I would urge you to contact your association and get registered because there will be hockey. And then another thing that um, I'm really proud of. Uh, the Edmonton Federation Hockey League and the Hockey Edmonton Board for implementing this year is the new Recreational Hockey League. And what that does is it, it's for that player who uh, just wants to uh, stay in the sport and play once a week, and, and the fees range anywhere from 350 to $450 uh, for the complete season. It's one day a week, and uh, uh, it keeps kids in the game and keeps them active. So uh, we're really proud of rolling that program out this year, and uh, um, I would urge anyone, if you do have any questions or concerns, to contact either Hockey Edmonton or your association, and hopefully we can alleviate those and uh, and get the kids back on the ice. Chris, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I believe I, I, I've done a couple interviews on that in the past about the Recreational Hockey League and how that's an important step to 
you know, for the kids who just want to go out and, and, and have fun and, and stay in shape and keep playing with their friends. That, that, I'm glad you brought that up. I'll, I'll leave it open to you here at the end, Chris, because you're absolutely the expert on that. And you've confirmed that with all the great information you've given out tonight. Did, did we miss anything important um, that you need to get out there on behalf of Hockey Edmonton today? Uh, no, just that uh, the plan is really built on uh, on the safety of the athletes, and uh, um, all measures are put in place for that reasoning. And um, at the end of the day, I'd urge if they have any questions about the document uh, to take a look through. And, and I would urge the parents who are really unsure what a season might look like uh, with the November, December, or January start date. We have that in Appendix 1, 2, and 3 of the document. And then those who are looking for how... Um, how our transition might work from cohorts uh, into tiers uh, to have a look at uh, appendices four, five, and six. Because they give an idea. Uh, and sometimes, you know, as, as people, we just need to see it for ourselves. So it'll give you an idea of how that transition might work and, and uh, how associations will be looking to make that tra- transition when we can. And then the only other thing really, Reid, is uh, that, you know, everyone needs to keep in mind this is a very, very fluid situation. We are going to change as we're provided uh, updated information from Hockey Alberta and Alberta Health Services, and our documents will continue to be updated as we navigate these uh, interesting times. All right. Hey, Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you getting this uh, this message out. It's obviously important to a lot of players and coaches and parents, and you ever need us for anything on Inside Sports, uh, don't hesitate to get in touch because uh, you know it's important to keep everybody updated. Thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. All right. Thanks very much. It's my pleasure. That is Chris March checking in from Hockey Edmonton, the manager of uh, operations. So some of the bullet points from Chris on their uh, return to hockey protocol. And as he mentioned, fluid situation. They'll keep everything updated on the website, hockeyedmonton.ca. If you haven't already, you can go check out uh, check out the documents there. And, of course, uh, talk to your, uh, your local association about registration or anything else that, that might be going on. Good stuff there from Chris. It is 7. 48. It is Inside Sports on 630 Jet. third period coming up in Toronto. The Hurricanes lead Boston 2-0. They're trying to tie that series 2-2. The Avalanche just all over the Coyotes today. A 7-1 victory to go up 3-1 in that series. Blues and Canucks are the 8-30 game of Rogers Place. The Lightning edge the Blue Jackets 2-1 Goodrow and Gord with the goals for the Lightning. Atkinson scored for the Blue Jackets, who are now facing elimination. The Blue Jackets trail the Lightning in that series three games to one. Tomorrow at one, it's the Flyers and Canadians. 3.30 at Rogers Place, Calgary and Dallas. And then in the evening, the Capitals and the Islanders and the Golden Knights will try to eliminate the Blackhawks in game five. A lot of coverage today on the big story. The Canadian Football League will not have a season in 2020. Had a really good chat with Eskimos head coach. Well, I did it again. Another uh, loony in the jar. The uh, head coach of the Edmonton football team, Scott Milanovic. He is uh, from the United States. Now, of course, he's spent a lot of time coaching in the CFL, but he's also been in the NCAA and the NFL. And he described why the CFL is special. For American coming to Canada, and I should say that most of Americans don't don't recognize this, but after you spent some time there, um, I started, you know, I was in Calgary for a minute, but then really my first 
experience in the CFL for an extended period of time was in Montreal. And, you know, the culture of the French Canadians, we lived in, in Ile de Sor, uh, Nuns Island, which is predominantly French. Um, Rodney Sassy, who, who's still the athletic trainer in Montreal, we became good friends. My family became close with him. We would, you know, we did Canadian Thanksgiving at his place and American Thanksgiving. It, it just, the Canadian people are so friendly. Even when we were in Calgary, I had a newborn and we lived right downtown. And, um, we weren't afraid. You know, we would go to, uh, it was at Eau Claire Market. I, I can't even remember. We, we With our newborn, and the people were so nice. The, uh, yeah, I've been fortunate to have been in a bunch of Grey Cups and seen the pageantry, and two of them at, you know, one when I was coaching for Montreal in Montreal, and one when I was coaching for Toronto in Toronto, and just the, the fans, not necessarily of your team even, just the the pageantry that surrounds the Grey Cup and, and the uniquely Canadian game that is the CFL, it's just special. And if you aren't from Canada or you haven't experienced it as an American like I have, you, you it's hard to grasp. But once you have... Um, You'll never forget it. It's why I, I. It's why I'm really positive about the future. That's just, I. Um, I cannot see the iconic CFL um, not surviving this and and not thriving going forward. I can't. I can't imagine that that would happen. Really good answer there from Scott Milanovic on why the Canadian Football League is special to him. Now he won't be coaching this fall. So what is he going to do? Well, it's something that you know, I've talked to the staff about it today, um, and I need to have conversations with Brock and, and Chris Preston about this. But, you know, I, the border being closed, at some point we need to we need to get out in our community. You know, I don't know if that's clinics or us going to schools or um, what even we're allowed to do at this point. But um, I, I don't want the Edmonton football team to disappear from the community for the next six months. So, um, so it's a conversation we're going to have with our players here in the next couple of days when we start to get some more answers as to how can we make sure that we're doing our part to really hit the ground running in 2021. And God willing, the, the fans are allowed and, and want to fill our stadium and be a part of, of the new CFL going forward. So uh, a lot of discussion is going to have to take place on how to best do that, but I think we're going to need all hands on deck to to push forward in our community and make sure that, that we're heard. Yeah, Scott Milanovic, now he is still in Florida, basically saying there he would love to, to get to Edmonton, the border issue right now preventing that, but I think he makes a great point. You don't want the the team just to go away and, and do nothing in, uh, in the public eye, so he'd love to run, you heard him say, clinics, camps, going to schools, all easier said than done right now. You'd have to make sure that uh, it could be pulled off and done safely and and all that kind of stuff. But he just doesn't want to sit around doing nothing in the fall. He wants to connect with the community and, and do all the things that, that a head coach uh, would be able to do. He was watching tons of game film, getting ready for the season. Didn't pan out. Not going to be a CFL season. Extensive coverage on our website, 630ched.com, globalnews.ca, and uh, we'll have some other angles on this story tomorrow. We're hoping uh, this week to be joined by Ryan King, who is the CFLPA rep for the uh, for the Edmonton football team, a member of the executive board, who has updated us throughout this process a couple of times, and I'm sure he's very disappointed that there will not be a season. 
Blue Jays up 5-1 on the Orioles after 8, and the Raptors won their playoff opener today, 134-110 over Brooklyn. Big thanks to Angie Quinnell, your studio operator this evening. Besides Scott Milanovic, you heard from the GM of the EEs, Brock Sunderland, the team president and CEO, Chris Presson. You had some comments from CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi and double-E quarterback, Trevor Harris too and of course Dave Campbell popped on the show along with Chris March from Hockey Edmonton. Go to HockeyEdmonton.ca for the return to play protocol. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.